Welcome to the next edition of Fixed Interest, where we will be discussing Mexico. My name is Shali Shetty, and I'm a managing director in the America's Sovereign Team. I'm happy to be joined by Charles Civil, senior director and co-head of the Americas, and also the primary analyst for Mexico. It's an interesting time to discuss Mexico as we've just witnessed the midterm congressional elections that were held on June 6th. And we also recently affirmed Mexico's triple B minus ratings with stable outlook. Mexico is clearly on the path of economic recovery this year after a sharp recession in 2020, and its fiscal accounts have been resilient to the pandemic-related recession. On the other hand, micro-interventions by the government have soured private investment in recent years. So Charles, turning to you, let's begin with the political developments. Uh, can you put the midterm elections in context? Why were they so important? And what are the main political and rating implications of the results? Also related to the elections, are there challenges that you see on the governance side that you see spilling into our rating judgments in the future? Thanks, Shelley. I think going into this election, the key question was whether the president would retain the same degree of backing from the electorate and how much power he would retain in Congress. I think, you know, president is much more powerful still than his immediate predecessors, and he remains very much in the driving seat, but he did lose ground in Congress. So his party, Morena, and its allies now have a simple majority in the lower house of Congress, but they didn't win a two-thirds majority. So that makes it harder to enact some of the more controversial proposals the president's put forward that would likely require constitutional amendments. And that's really the reason that the result was welcomed by markets. But on the other hand, Morena did increase its tally of state governorships, very much at the expense of rivals particularly the PRI, and it controls the majority of the state congresses. Now, thinking more generally about governance, Mexico's governance is the lowest in the triple B category, and that reflects factors that affect the business climate and growth, in fact. And we do think the rating is vulnerable if governance worsens. On the other hand, Mexico's economic policymaking institutions are quite strong, and there are support to the rating. But the president has attacked some other institutions. He criticized the electoral authority going into the elections, and he has talked about doing away with some independent regulatory bodies. Uh, again, I think measures like this will be harder to take some of these off the table, I think, the results of the midterm elections. After the midterm elections, President Lopez Obrador named a new finance minister who'll take over in time to draw up the budget in September. And he named the current finance minister, Arturo Herrera, to take over at the central bank in December once the current governor's term expires. And markets, I think, have taken this in their stride president had already signaled that he wouldn't renew the term of the central bank governor. Both of these figures are, I think, quite well-respected technocrats and don't signal a big policy change or necessarily an encroachment on the power of the finance ministry or the independence of the central bank. Let's shift gears, Charles. Uh, we recently affirmed Mexico's ratings with stable outlook. Uh, can you give us some more color and context regarding this decision? Well, as ever, we balanced a mixture of positive and negative developments since the last review. I think the balance here was between some of the micro policy interventions that we saw in the run up to the review versus the improvement in the macro outlook. So the economy is recovering a bit faster than we expected. And of course, that's been helped by stimulus in the US and the rollout of vaccines and reopening. So, you know, we're now expecting stronger performance. Also, public finances outperformed our expectations and did a lot better than peer countries. That was partly because of a smaller fiscal response. But the 
largest, widest measure of public borrowing, the public sector borrowing requirement was 3.9% of GDP in 2020, which is, you know, lower than peers, certainly lower than the triple B median for 2020. And there was a resilient revenue performance. And so far in 2021, we're seeing some improvement relative to last year on the public finances. I think balancing the micro and the macro, that was the, the reason for our stable outlook and, and affirmation. On the economy, Mexico seems to be getting a boost from U.S. growth and will continue to benefit from the U.S. fiscal and infrastructure stimulus. But how about private investment? Uh, Do you see scope for a turnaround in the domestic investment environment given the government's micro-interventions? We expect between 5 and 6% growth in Mexico this year. That is being helped by the demand boost from the U.S. We saw a pretty strong recovery in exports starting the second half of last year boosted by U.S. demand and also remittances and other channels of transmission from the U.S. to the Mexican economy. I think our long-term worries on growth in Mexico are that it's been rather slow and that due to some of the external uncertainty related to NAFTA and USMCA and also domestically, it seems that the investment rate has really sort of fallen in recent years and that's a bad sign for growth in the future. And there have been some other temporary factors that have been dragging down growth performance, such as declining oil output, for example. But I think, you know, the recent trend in investment is quite encouraging. We got a jump in machinery and equipment investment in March, and now investment was actually 4% lower in March than its Q419 average, bearing in mind that private investment fell 5% in 2019. It does seem to be coming back. I think the one concern is that there's a pattern of of policy announcements and proposals that come out of Congress. Some of them don't go anywhere, some get watered down, but it's lent more unpredictability to the business environment in some respects, and particularly in energy and electricity. Currently, some of the laws that have been passed are going to be ruled on by the Supreme Court. There's quite a long list of these. The energy and electricity sector reforms that were passed by Congress were suspended by the courts, and a definitive ruling on this awaits the Supreme Court judgment. Now, Charles, moving to the fiscal side, uh, do you expect continued relatively stable fiscal performance in Mexico, or do you think that a tax reform may be really needed later this year to secure that? And how do you think these discussions around a tax reform will evolve in Mexico? Well, I think in the short term, we see relatively stable fiscal performance, no particular improvement in the deficit this year compared with last. The performance year to date is somewhat ahead of the budget, although April wasn't a particularly strong month for for tax collection. I think stepping back a little bit, tax revenues are still relatively low compared with the triple B median, between 14 and 15% of GDP. The government would like to increase that, and we are expecting some kind of tax reform in the budget to be presented in September. Previous tax reform, under the last administration raised quite a bit of revenue and it really went to replace oil revenue which declined substantially over the past few years and is now a pretty small share of raw revenue. This tax reform by contrast I think will be smaller. It'll include a number of smaller measures that raise less revenue. We're including around half a percentage point onto the revenue ratio in 2022. It could be more than that. On the flip side the government does have spending pledges that it wants to meet, such as doubling pensions. That sets up a potential problem longer term, increasing the base on which you know the natural increase that's driven by demographics on pensions builds on. I think another factor to mention on fiscals is that the government got through last year the revenue shock by drawing down partly on some of the funds. So the stabilization fund is very much depleted now. But then again, oil revenues are coming back this year compared with last. So there are some positives. 
Now, Charles, before we end, can you discuss some of the rating sensitivities around Mexico's ratings? What can lead to a positive rating action and what may lead to a downgrade such that Mexico loses its investment grade? In terms of sensitivities, I think an improvement in growth prospects to a level that was close to the triple B median. If this is underpinned by credible macro policies, that would be positive. I think if the consistency, the credibility of the macroeconomic policy framework weakens, you know, that conversely could be negative because we are giving Mexico credit for that. We're giving it a plus one notch in the ratings, the judgment for that in our qualitative overlay. Then public finances, I think on the positive side, you know, if there was a revenue enhancing reform that led debt to be on a downward path, I think that would be positive. We didn't talk about Pemex earlier. This remains both a public sector asset, but also its debt is a contingent liability. Effectively, the company is still paying tax to the government, but at lower rates now, the government is supporting the company by injecting capital into it. We are taking one notch off in the qualitative overlay to account for these Pemex-related risks. So if those were dealt with, then potentially we could remove that and that would be a positive for the rating. I think if the public debt path heads upwards, then potentially that's another concern. And we did get a jump in the debt ratio in 2020 to around 49%. That's for the general government. And we see it roughly stabilizing at that level. But if it continued to go up and if we saw a departure from the rules-based fiscal policy, then potentially that would be a concern for the rating. But as it is, Mexico's debt level compares quite well with the triple B median. In terms of structural factors, again, these pose sort of upside and downside risk to the rating. So uh, if governance did improve, you know, it's a big focus of our analysis and plays a big role in our model, then if it did improve, then that could lead to positive rating action. And you know, don't forget the government is trying to eliminate corruption. It does have a strategy to improve public security. So if this did bear fruit, then potentially that's positive. But I think there are also downside risks if we see a deterioration in governance that undermines the business climate, potentially hits growth, and that could lead to a negative rating action. Thanks a lot, Charles, for your insights. Uh, thank you for listening. And for more on Mexico, you can access our research on our website, fitchratings.com. Hope you will join us in the next Fixed Interest podcast. Thank you.